got preachers up here talking about they are against abortion. Good, so don't have one then. But don't impose your feelings on other people because your patriarchy is reckless. I don't think members of the LGBTQ plus community are of God. Good, you don't associate with them. But don't try to diminish somebody's humanity in Jesus' name because you don't understand the complexity of God's creativity. What's up, y'all? So if there was one thing that I wish I knew before marriage and one piece of advice that I would give to somebody who is considering marriage is the fact that if you are not ready to completely sacrifice your life and realize that the Bible says the two shall become one, right? So that means that you have to be accountable for where you go, for the people you are hanging out with, the places that you go, how you spend your money, how you spend your time, and basically any other thing that's gonna pull you and your significant other together. Listen, if you're not ready to truly make that sacrifice and it multiplies even more whenever you have kids because your life is really not your own. If you're one of those people and you want to continue to do this solo thing and live a single person, but then reap all of the benefits of marriage, then let me encourage you, marriage is not for you because marriage is a continual act of self-sacrifice. My friends, welcome to the Sheep is Shared podcast, where here we talk about people, politics, and popular culture. I'm your host, the one and only Austin Creed. My friends, I come today as the bearer of bad news. You know, throughout this Biblical Bachelor series, which is a prelude to my upcoming manual for the spiritually seeking young man that will be available for pre-order and will be released on the 31st of October on Halloween, feel free to go over to Amazon and check that out. It should be up on pre-order and not too long from now. But my friends, here's what I wanna talk about today. Gonna come as the bearer of bad news why you might ask well for the first clip that i played in the beginning of today's show look the church is not the church your grandfather attended the church is not the church that your father even still goes to if he goes to church at all because most people are sick of it i i see it i'm not alone on this and i know it for a fact that the church is driving people away in droves they're leaving and they're going away and they're not coming back especially young men yeah, got to ask yourself, well, how do we see guys like Andrew Tate and his brother? How do we see guys like, uh, I don't know, you could go down the list of men, uh, Dan Bilzerian, you can mention any name that you want. Why is it those guys have massive followings and yet the churches are emptying out? Explain that to me, make it make sense. Answer, there isn't really a good answer that's going to make you feel good. There's only an answer that's the truth. And we're going to break that down for you today, because in my opinion, the devil has infiltrated the church and he did so through the back door. He didn't come in through with the rest of everybody else through the front door. No, no, no. He snuck in the back door and was let in. And now he's infiltrated so much that you can't even tell the difference anymore. Whether it's through divorce, through the docility of the leadership in the church. It's disgusting and I'm sick of it. I go down the list, and do I need to even mention the deception that we see all the time of the woke theology? Do I even need to go into detail? I will. Thank you very much. And all of this is contributing to the fact that marriage is in the toilet and Christian marriage divorce is going up. Don't believe me? I got the, I got the car factory right here. You ready? Here it is. 
says the divorce rate amongst Christians is lower than the general population, according to the to Google. However, however, comma, the divorce rate amongst Christian couples has been rising in recent years and is now comparable to the secular divorce rate. You know, I go to a Christian school and the more that I see people wanting to get in relationships, wanting to get married, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I see these divorce statistics, which are falsely done, by the way. It's not actually 50%. It's much higher. But they'll, they're led to believe that, oh, that's just for those 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 unwashed pagans. That's nothing to do with me. Me and my wife will get married and we'll love each other and it's going to be great. Well, according to the data, that is not true. Not anymore, because guess what? Feminism has entered the building and all of a sudden, tradition is being thrown out like yesterday's garbage, and now we're, re- keep, we're reaping the benefits. You don't think, you think I'm lying? Turn the show off, I don't care. I'm sick of it, I'm gonna tell you how it is. If you don't like it, turn this damn show off. I don't have time to mince words. Research, oh, well, they're quoting Harvard. Oh, let's see what Harvard says, even though I, that's some next level New World Order statistics. Let's look at it, shall we? Normie statistics. Following the regularly attending church People, they say uh, the couple's risk of divorce was 47%. Other studies have said it ranged from 30 to 50. Wow, look at that. They even say it's 47%. And you're just going to sit there and tell me, oh, yeah, don't just dummy up. Don't worry about it. You know, nothing to see here. Move along. No, I'm not going to move along. In fact, we're going to talk about this on the show. And in fact, here's what we're going to do. I have, okay, hold on, give me, give me one second. I have not seen this clip all the way through. I have not seen it yet, but this is John MacArthur in an interview. And we're going to go through it. We're going to discuss it. And he's going to say, what are the greatest dangers facing the church? Let me know in the comments. Do you agree? Do you not agree? Do you think he's full of crap? Do you think he's, do you think he's right? Well, let's get into it, shall we? Fair use, by the way. Pastor John, my question for you today is what are some of the greatest dangers that you see facing the church of Jesus Christ today? Uh, maybe an analogy to start that. Yeah. Uh, if um, if you ask me what is the greatest danger, physical danger in a human body, I would say a deficient immune system, right? Because then you could die of a hundred diseases. If the, if the immune system can't fight off illness, there's a hundred ways to die. That's 100% true, by the way. And if you don't like that I'm pausing, I need to do it for fair use purposes. Let's look at this. First of all, you've never heard of John McCarthy before. You might not agree with everything he says. I don't. I don't agree. I don't think I agree with any everything that anyone's ever said. But I believe him. He's one of the older school guys who's still teaching in the church. He's one of the guys who still preaches fire and brimstone, where a lot of people today, they are more preaching flowers and brown-nosing the people in their church that got money. He's not one of those guys that I'm aware of. He mentions the immune system of the church. The immune system fights off the infections. Well, not the infections that are being brought in and being brought up in the church and are giving a pulpit. Not, but let's keep going. I want to hear what he has to say. So the greatest danger in a human body is the collapse of the immune system that that's what fights off all the diseases 
And I would say in the church, it's the same thing. It's a deficient immune system. It's the inability to discern truth from error. It's not recognizing deception. It's being led astray. It may be psychology. It may be pragmatism. It may be sentimentalism. It may be liberalism. <laughs> some weird view of the atonement or some aberrant view of Jesus. Any kind of thing that is not true, right? I mean, can you argue with his list? His list is pretty good. His list talks about liberalism, uh, deception, mixing up things that are not meant to conform. Look, people like to rewrite history. They like to rewrite reality. Now, there is a difference, in my opinion, between seeing reality and trying to see, okay, how can we bridge the gap between the ever-changing society and the Bible? How can we bring them together to make it practical versus saying, hey, you know what? I'm an idealist. I believe this, and I want the Bible to then represent that. No, you can't do that. No. No. And that's exactly what Pastor John is talking about because guess what? A lot of people try to do this all the time. It's called woke theology. If you want to cringe, if you want to lose all any kind of shred of the hope you still had in humanity, go look that up and, and watch some of those clips. Let's keep going. Has potential to do severe damage to the church because the church is the pillar and ground of the truth, which means that the leadership of the church has to be discerning. They have to have a fully functioning immune system that fights off every heresy. I mean, there's a there's a hundred heresies that can kill a church. There's a hundred wrong things that kill a church. And Paul talks about them. He calls them every lofty idea raised up against the knowledge of God. Any ungodly idea, Paul says in the second in the second Corinthians 10, is like a fortress that has to be smashed. Interesting. Look, my friends, do you disagree with anything that Pastor John has said thus far? Now, admittedly, I don't agree with everything that he ever says. However, I think he's on the right on the money on this one. The one thing I would add, though, is this. He's talking about being able to push away threats. That is true. However, you also don't want to turn away people's experiences and you want to be able to understand how society is changing so that you can adapt your message to combat a new forming threat. Because if you don't do that, then you risk potentially sounding out of touch, unrelatable, you don't know what you're talking about, and then people will tune you out, even though everything you said makes sense and it's totally right, it's not gonna see it's gonna seem wrong because it in, wasn't phrased in a way that the young people or whoever you're trying to appeal to relate to it easily at that, not even having to dissect it like we're doing with this video right here. How much more of this do I think I want to listen to? Well, let's go a little longer. It's a fortress and people are captive to those ideological fortresses. And the word for fortress in the Greek is the same word for tomb. Those fortresses become their tombs. They're entombed in aberrant ideology. So Satan is a liar, right? His ministers are deceivers. Um, Satan operates in false religion 99% of the time. He's not running brothels. He's running religion. Did you catch that? He's not running brothels. He's running religion. Did you, did you hear that? 
Here's a common misconception that people have about the devil or Satan or whatever you want to call him. First of all, his name was Lucifer. And second, he was known as the light bringer. He was the most beautiful thing that God ever created, according to scripture. So people who people who think he's some beast with a forked tongue and a spiked tail and horns, you've been watching too many cartoons and too much Tom and Jerry, because that's not what he actually is. And he's pointing this out. It's a slight subversion. For example, Mormonism, in my opinion, totally full of garbage. Now, do they have great family values? Yes. Uh, is their theology sound? No, I think it was ridiculous. First of all, Joseph Smith, total nut job. Look him up and don't look him up with a Mormon website because then guess what? You're going to get a total subversion of reality, which is what most people are used to. Most people don't even know what reality is. They think they know, but they have no idea. And this is exactly what I think he's trying to tell us. I don't know. Maybe I'm inserting myself here. Let's keep going. That's his business. So it's the inability to discern because the people who are in leadership don't possess that discernment that comes from rightly dividing the word of truth. So then... Pastor John, let's say hypothetically I'm a pastor. All right, sorry, hold on. I, I want to cut this off right here. If y'all want to see the rest of the video, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, I'm not going to continue doing that. I can't, I, I don't know how much more I can handle of it. It, it just, it's moving slow. First of all, look, I respect a lot of pastors out there who are actually teaching the truth. And they teach fire and brimstone and they're not just teaching flowers and brown nosing. But let me tell you something else. So many people don't know how to get to the point. They like to use flamboyant language and talk in circles to make it seem like they said something sophisticated. No, you just can't make a coherent sentence and answer a simple question. Um, I, I just need to get that off my chest. I, I can't take it. I have actually not seen any of this. So let's look and let's well, let's go into this. Uh, I actually don't know who this is. Paul Washer. I don't even know who this is. Uh, apparently he must be some kind of big name. I don't know who he is. Uh, biblical masculinity. Fair use. Paul, thanks again for being with us. I want to ask you about biblical masculinity. The idea of biblical masculinity is disappearing in today's culture. And yet we see that it is so important as we look at the scripture. Talk to me about biblical masculinity and why it's so important. First of all, before we start this, I want to ask you, what is your definition of biblical masculinity? I'm sure some of us will have a difference of opinion. We might be equally right, or you might just be wrong. What we'll the, let's talk about it in the comment section, or you can go on to my X or Twitter account at Sheep Get Sheared. I'm going to ask the same question once we get off the show, once I put this up, but let's keep going and let's finish this real fast. I want to see what he has to say. Well, first of all, there, there is a difference between a man and a woman. I know that today that's shocking. But, you know, Paul told the Corinthians, act like men. But there had to be a basis for that. Hey, first of all, act like men. You have to discern what that actually is. Most people don't know what being a man is. They think to be a man, you have to own a Bugatti and, and, and sleep with every woman that you lay eyes on. That's totally false. Most people don't even know what masculinity is. All I know is either A, it's toxic, or B, it has something to do with owning a fancy car. So you're going to have to be a little more descriptive than that. But again, we need to get to the point. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not 
driving this concept home. Come on now. But here's what we need to understand. Let's say that my father's generation, for the most part, my generation, the idea of being a man was uh, John Wayne. Okay. And if you watch some of the John Wayne movies, yeah, there was a lot of things noble about that. But there were a lot of things that weren't noble. So John Wayne, that type of thing, isn't the model, the archetype of what a man is to be. What? And then if you go to the other extreme, which you seem to find today, the very opposite of that person. Wait, I'm confused. So John Wayne's not a good example, and what we have now isn't a good example? Well, what the hell is the example? What are we talking about here? We t Look, where's Rocky and Rambo? I mean, come on now. What? Oh, no. I hope to God he's not about to go down the rabbit hole that I think he's going to go to. Because if he is, I'm already looking through the looking glass and I can already see where he's going to go. And I hope he does not go down this road. Let's keep watching. A very passive, uh, delicate man. A fearful man. A, um, it's like his psyche is broken. And he just crumbles. Pansy. Part of that we need to realize is is one aspect of the judgment of God. Isaiah 3 is very clear about that. That um, we have young men ruling over older men. Noble men are removed from society. And, and there's, there's all sorts of things revealed there in, in Isaiah 3. What we've got to realize is this. Our main problem is simply, again, not studying the Bible. Our main problem is not looking at Christ or looking at Christ through some filtered lens rather than the raw scripture. Why does that feel like a non-answer? Give me a look. Yes, not enough people reading the Bible. Yes, obviously. No one's going to disagree with that. But what? Give me an actual answer to the question. See, this is what, this is what also really peeves me about pastors is... They don't get to the point. Why can't people give an answer and then explain their answer and then kind of bring it all back and then restate their answer? They got to give like a vague non-answer and leave me wondering, wait a minute. I walked into, the, into this question not knowing anything and now I know even less than when I walked into this question. How was that an answer? My desire is not to be like John Wayne. It's also not to be like the other extreme. I want to set my sights on being like Jesus Christ. That's such an easy answer. What does that actually look like? Again. Oh my God. Come on. That's such a second grade answer. I heard that every single Sunday at an elementary school. What does that actually look like? Give me some dippy specifics for goodness sake. Now, also... I need to think about something. There is a headship in the family. And oh, I am to be the head of my home. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean that I uh you know everything revolves around me. My headship serves one purpose. That I lead my home for the benefit of my wife and children no matter how costly it is to me. But go don't be so subtle, Paul. What does that mean? Give me, give the young men, me, give us actual, re, what does that mean? Give us actual, lay us out. How does that operate? What are your boundaries? What does that actually look like? Stop being vague like you, like everybody can be like, oh yes, yes, I understand exactly what you're talking about. No, we don't. Give us a test, give us, give us actual ways to live this out practically, please. 
my headship is sacrificial. Oh, no. About being a true man. Oh. If we look at the model of Christ, it is self-giving and self-sacrifice. It's always, look at what Christ did. He gave himself and gave himself and gave himself. Oh, my goodness. Again, I, oh, how do I, I know it. I know it. This is exactly what I knew was going to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I knew it. I warned you. I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. This, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is exactly what I mean. This mentality is exactly why men are saying no. This, look, this might have worked when you were a lad. This might have worked back in the day. This has not worked since Rockefeller helped the women's movement push feminism down everybody's throats so they could tax the other half of the population. It has not happened since feminism has infiltrated the psyche of every woman in America and every woman in the West. It doesn't work this way anymore. Sacrificing, sacrificing is seen as weak, not strong. Second, look, yes, Christ is a perfect example in the church. Yes. Here's the problem. Jesus was God. I am not God. I can't give everything because I'm not God. This is the problem. Again, you expect that because you give everything, someone else is also going to give you back everything. Not how it works. You give someone an itch, they'll take a mile from you. That's called the human conditioning. And you don't like it, that's too bad. Everybody's seen it in their life. And if you haven't, just get ready. It's coming right down to a neighborhood near you. Until there was nothing left to give. Oh, it's no. Responsibility to my wife and my children. Also, if you want to talk about Christ as our protector, he stood in front of us. He stood in front of his bride. Anyone wants to come get his bride, anyone wants to come to get God's children, he's going to stand between them. What am I going to like, if my girl's acting up, am I about to step in front of Pookie and get laid out? What does that mean? What does that mean I step in front? Does that mean that when she makes a mistake, I got to take the fall for it? Is that what that means? Does that mean if my wife does something dumb, I'm taking the fall too? Is that what, look, this is a great sales pitch to not touch marriage with a 10 foot pole. You know that old story, the Grinch that stole Christmas? They're like, I wouldn't touch you with like a 29 and a half foot pole. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling about marriage right now. And I've been feeling that way for a while. So it's nothing new. But again, where is this idea of, hey, I do... <laughs> My value as a man is not defined by what I give to others. That's what every man is taught in society and in the church. Why is that? It's the opposite. It's what you can do for yourself first, and then you can give to other people. But that's like asking a dry well to give water. You're going to be like, huh? What? Exactly. You can't do it. Most people have nothing. They're broke. They're, they're down on their luck. They don't know what they're doing. And then you're asking them to sacrifice. Sacrifice what? They have nothing else to give. I have no guys who've been married for over 20 years. And sometimes I look in their eyes and I basically see someone who's just like, I can't take this anymore. Please, somebody put me out of my misery. Is, is that what is sacrifice your soul? What, for someone who's not going to appreciate it? Oh my, I can't. This is, this is exactly why. 
What do I ask you something objectively, okay? Hold on, let me, let me, take, let me go full screen and ask this question. This is exactly why young guys are leading the church. Who sounds more appealing to you and more masculine to you? A guy like Andrew Tate with a Bugatti and and women and all the and the riches and everything else, or this guy who's telling you to sacrifice everything because Jesus did it, so that makes it cool. Look, he's not wrong. I'm not saying that. Biblically, he's wrong. I'm saying that you're not telling the full story. That's like saying, oh, crossed his bridge. Oh, by the way, bridge is very rickety, and you have a 70% chance of the bridge collapsing. But you leave out that last part. You just say cross the bridge. And the ones he loves. This requires strength, courage. I think that young men need to grow in character, number one. And the primary characteristic should be love, which is self-giving. This is not about me. Oh my God. No, I can't, I can't take it. I, look, I'm sorry, I can't take it. I can't take it. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is exactly why young men are checking out in droves. This is why, right here. Just, oh yeah, just, 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 just throw yourself at everything at, 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 at your wife and then everything will work out for you. Is that it? Is that it, Paul? Is that what you're saying? That's horrible advice. Because if it wasn't, the divorce statistics wouldn't be what they were. Oh my goodness. And this is only a third of the way through the video. Oh my land. Oh. Kindly explain to me why the same guy who will spend like $300 on a dinner date with some girl won't spend half that money on a, on a dinner for himself. Answer, cause they're told stuff like this. That's selfish to do that for yourself, but yet it's smart to do it for somebody else who's not gonna appreciate it. It doesn't matter how much I hurt, doesn't matter how much I suffer. Oh my it God. Matter if my expectations aren't met, my needs aren't met, my what aren't met. That's not what it's about. It's a oh my, oh my land, oh my oh. Did his wife write the script? Because if she did, it would make a lot of sense. What? You've got to be kidding. So basically. Throw yourself, just basically sacrifice everything and ask for nothing. Oh, that's great advice. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic advice if you want to just be ready to die at age 35 and hate your life. Unbelievable. It's about me dying for a woman and my children. Oh, my land. Look, for your children, you support your kids. Support your kids to... The best you possibly can, give them every opportunity and never give up on them. Your wife, she's not your family. She's not. Just because you signed an agreement with her in the state, do not let that fool you. I, I cannot believe, I can't believe what I'm listening to. This is horrible advice. And he's giving this to young men as if this is the holy grail of advice. This is horrible. Serving, giving. And stop looking in the mirror and stop being self-absorbed. Oh, my land. But then there's some practical things also. Oh, here we go. Um, it's my job to to feed my family. Duh. And it doesn't matter. 
like in, in the rougher times when Harcraft. I mean, duh. What do you mean? It's Let's keep going. I'm, I'll, I'll let him. I'll let him speak. Arms first starting out, working construction, doing all these different things, hours a day, coming home at night, whatever I had to do to put food on the table. That's my job. If someone's going to stand in the door and going to hurt my family, it's my job to stand in the door. It's my job to take the brunt of everything this world has to throw at my wife and my family. And so, you know, I was raised, we raised Charlotte cattle and quarter horse. So, I mean, it was rodeo from... Okay, I don't care about your horses. Here's the problem. Yes, he's 100% correct. He's 100% correct on that point of the man needs to protect his wife and kids. 100% true. Here's a problem, though. So the man's got to sacrifice everything. He's got to ask for nothing. He's got to be selfless. He's got to sacrifice. And he's going to do all of this for what? First rule of business is you get something for something else. What are you getting in return? That's my answer. What do you want in return? You want her to drop that neck? You want her to cook and clean? Like, what are you doing all this for? Again, nobody just does stuff out of the goodness of their heart without wanting at least something back. I mean, for goodness sake. Okay. Well, what is the wife supposed to do? What, just sit there and, and count the money? Like, what's going on here? Most men who follow this playbook basically become an indentured servant to their wife. Because then if he steps on a line, she divorces him and takes the, all of his, the, the, half his crap with his kids. And then they wonder why, how or why this happened to them. Answer, because they got gaslit and they followed this man's playbook. I can't, I just... Guys, this is what I'm talking about. This is the advice that young men are getting, and this is why they're leaving. This is why me, this is why I'm sick of it. This is exactly why I'm sick of it, is advice like that. That's horrible advice. The exact opposite of what actually works with women. That's just the way it is, and if you don't like it, bring me receipts. Don't bring me your, your BS, please. I'm not going to take it. Look, my friends, this is why I say that the devil has infiltrated the church because the pastors are not getting up with the times. They're sending the men to the slaughter and wondering why they're not thanking them for doing it. It's like going and starting a new project and then there's no, like, warning X, Y, and Z could happen. They don't tell you that part. They don't warn you of what could happen if you do this. They just pretend like it's a guaranteed 100% uh, success rate. False. 100% false. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me that they get away with this garbage. Who's calling them out? Me. I, I don't see anybody else calling out the church, calling out religious pastors for this crap. I cannot believe that they're getting away with this. I'm sick of it. And if you're a pastor and you're listening to the show, please, I'd love to talk to you because this is unacceptable to me. I'm not saying you're biblically incorrect. I'm saying you're sending men to the proverbial slaughter and wondering why they're not thanking you for doing it. Oh my goodness. Uh, look, I gotta, uh, look, that was tough. I gotta tell you, that was tough. I did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy that last part. That was tough to listen to. But that's what you're hearing in most churches and that's why young men are saying, F this noise, I'm out. That's why. 
because they see what happened to their dad. They see what happened to their grandfather, potentially. And they said, you want me to do that? You want me to give the, give everything to these, to these bitches who won't appreciate it? Are you kidding? Why? Why? Because I'm a dude? No. No, I'm not going to do it. That's what people are saying. I love to hear what you have to say. I think I made my point and I'm just going to... Oh, man. Look, I I don't know how much more of that I could take. I, I, I can't stomach any more of it. I think I want to end the video here. My friends, in my book, My Coming Manual, Biblical Bachelor, I don't give you this BS. I give you, hey... This is how it could practically work for you. If you want to do X, here's what happens. If you want to do Y, this is what could happen. I, I give you the practical advice. I'm not telling you not to do something, but I'm warning you about potential pitfalls that could follow you. But unlike, unlike guys like this, my friends, God bless you. God bless your family. God bless America. We're out of here. Have a great day. Peace.